0: This podcast is a ministry of Grand Parkway Baptist Church, helping people know, enjoy, and glorify God. For more information about Grand Parkway, visit org. Father,
1: that's our prayer, that the world would praise your name. God, that they would know that you are healer. God, that you would show them, you would reveal yourself to them as redeemer. That the sick would be healed and that they would trust in you. God, that is why we're here. Not just to go to church, but because you have saved us, and you have redeemed us, and you have healed us. And so that is why we gather and we worship, because we are singing things that are true. This is why we gather around your word, because it is true. And so God, we say that we are listening. Because we know that you are speaking. We say that we trust you because you are God. And we pray things your name. Amen. You can have a seat. My name is Wade Collier, and I'm the missions pastor here at Grand Parkway. Um, As I mentioned earlier in the service, if you weren't here, Neil McClendon, our lead pastor, um, who normally does the majority of our teaching, is currently in Costa Rica, um, as well as Clyde Copeland, our worship pastor, which is why um, we are blessed to have Brett and Emily Mills um, with us this morning. If you weren't here at the very beginning, I said you're going to hear a little bit more about Brett and Emily Mills. Some of you who have been around here um, for a little bit of time uh, know Brett and Emily um, know a little bit about their ministry they have been um, friends to Grand Parkway um, for, for quite a long time and we' are excited to have them here with us this morning um, this morning that we continue on in a sermon series that we've been in called questions Christians ask um, we uh, typically will preach through a book of the Bible and we will um, we will pick up um, in that in the spring but we, as we prayed as a staff as a pastoral staff and we got away and we planned in the fall um, we, we, we just felt um, pulled to, to ask a few questions that we We believe are being asked, um, not only in this church, um, but Christians in the church universal. Um, and so we've answered a lot of questions as far as what happens when you die, why pray? If God already knows um, what is happening. And we're going to continue on in that this morning. Um, and, and this week is is an interesting season. It's an interesting time. Um, we, not just this week, but really this month, we've heard a lot um, over the past few weeks about this missions team. Like I told you that Neil um, and Clyde, 14 of our men are currently down in Costa Rica. Um, they are working on the Guaymi Indian Reservation where we have missionaries that are out of Grand Parkway. Um, they are down there currently building um, the second phase of a school for a village we adopted. Um, we've heard a whole lot about that. Um, a week from today, um, after our services, you're going to have the opportunity to hear um, things that are happening in the life of Grand Parkway, mission initiatives, both new and old, um, right here in our own backyard, regionally, um, and across the world. Um, we're a church that talks about mission blocked. Um, and, and, and notice that I said mission and not missions. Um, we're church talk about mission a lot because we do believe that missions is a natural byproduct um, that comes from the understanding of God's call on our life um, and, and that we all are called to mission, um, which brings us to our question today. Um, Neil and I talked a lot about this over the last few weeks, um, knowing um, that Brett and Emily were going to be here today um, and what that means for our church moving forward and, and, and a partnership with their ministry. Um, and and, and what does it mean as we are answering these questions of what Christians ask. And so as we are talking about mission and missions, it leaves many of us asking our question for this morning, and that is, what can I do? What can I do? Now, hang with me. This isn't where I'm going to hit you up for money. I'm not going to make you come up here and sign a pledge card and agree to go to the other side of the world. That's next week. No, Um, (laughs) no. Here's what I mean by what can I do. Three weeks ago, um, you heard from a team um, of about 10 folks that went down and spent 10 days, or about eight folks, rather, that went down and spent 10 days in India. Um, and you hear a lot about India and our partnership there and um, the tragedies that happen um, and, and, and horrible things happening to believers and the work we're doing there. And you hear about that. And, and, and what is natural in us is we get overcome and overwhelmed with guilt because we think maybe we're not doing enough and we ask the question, what can I do? Um, and we hear a lot over the last couple of weeks about this men's mission trip to Costa Rica. And you think, well, I, I see these emails and I can't take a week off work. I'm just not in a place right now where I can go leave my kids for a week. What, what can I do? And even outside of the confines of Grand Parkway and our missions initiatives, either um, local or or, or global, um, you see what's going on um, in, in, in the lives of the people you know, the people you work with, the people um, that live on your street, you see them broken, you see them in need of healing as we sung about, and you ask the question, what can I do? Well, that's what we're going to answer this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13, if you do not have a Bible, um, if you look to your left or your right, maybe even on the floor in front of you, um, you will see a black pew Bible, um, and we are going to be on page 959 if you want to follow along with us this morning. Um, the words as always will be up on the screen behind me. And let me say this. I, I say this every time I'm up here because I mean that if you don't have a Bible and you grab that this morning, that, that's a gift. Take that. We want you to have a Bible. Um, especially as you spend time here at Grand Parkway, you'll know that we spend a lot of time in there and we want you to have one to call your own. But this morning we are in first Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse one. It says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Because love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Um, to set the stage to the portion of the letter, Paul is writing um, this, this, this letter to the church in Corinth, and we're reading it here today, um, just as they did. And, and just previous to this, he is talking about uh, gifts that come from the Spirit, gifts that build up the church. And then he is leading in the talking in love as we turn to chapter 13. And Paul begins to drop the hammer on us. And here's what I mean by drops the hammer. Look at verse um, 1 through 3 again. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I can speak, angels speak, but I don't do it in love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, if I can speak truth and I can speak into people's lives and I do it without love and I can understand all mysteries and knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains and I have all these things but I have not love, Paul goes as far as to say, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. As I said in the beginning, in in, in chapter 12, Paul is talking about these gifts that build up the body, and he even talks about church members being part of the body, each member following the leading of the Holy Spirit, working together, functioning together. Theologians that are a lot smarter than me have often said that love serves as the circulatory system of that body. So to answer today's question of what can I do, it's this, one answer, walk in love. Walk in love. I think at first blush, that sounds very simplified. It sounds like it'd sound really good on a really hip V-neck t-shirt, right? Walk in love, buy that at Urban Outfitters for $74, right? Although it should be simple, it comes with the weight of call and responsibility when it's understood in context. Here's what I mean. Don't turn here for the sake of time. It's going to be on the screens behind me, but you can jot this down. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Here's, here's what I mean by there is a weight of call and responsibility when you, when, when, you, when you talk about walking in love. It says this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. By answering the question we're asking this morning of what can I do with walk in love, it takes on a whole new complexity when we read this. Here's what I mean by this. If we are called to walk in love, and our example is set out for us by Christ, and we are called, one, to imitate God, and we are called, two, to walk in love to the level of Christ. Christ who loved and loves us so much, he gave himself Up for us. It says here in Ephesians that he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's what it says look at me. It says that Christ walking in love was worship. It's a fragrant offering he offered up to the Father in heaven. It is worship. We are called, church, to walk in love as worship. We are called to be like Christ. Now, before you check out on me, and be like, yeah, I'm out. I can't be like Christ. I can't sit in traffic on 59 going to work without having visions of all these people dying a slow, painful death, let alone be like Christ. Before you raise the white flag, look back at 1 Corinthians 13 with me. Because here's what Paul does. Truly, here's what God does through Paul in giving us this answer of how we walk in love. Here's a blueprint, verses 4 through 7. It says this, love is patient and it's kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. By show of hands, I'm into group participation. How many of you heard that at a wedding before? Yes? This is not a wedding. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm just totally off. I'm... I'm preaching today, um, teaching on Wednesday night. And then I, cause I can't read a calendar. I'm also teaching at a conference this weekend. Um, and I was telling one of our members that, and I said, man, I got to teach these three different things. He's like, why teach three different things? Just teach the same thing three times. And I was like, well, here goes my wedding sermon. So, um, joking. Verse four, love is patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. What Paul is doing by saying love is patient and it's kind is he's telling, it's, it, telling us it's both passive and it's active. What do I mean by passive and active? It says that love is patient. That's what he first says in verse four. Love is patient. Told you I like group participation. If you have kids, raise your hand. Leave your hands up. You're not, I'm not done with you yet. How many of you at some point, we're all honest in here, right? I'll leave my hand up with you. I have children. How many of you at some point have had some version of this fantasy of taking your kids and locking them in a small, soundproof, padded room? You don't have to put both hands up. Raising coffee, we're having a toast here. Yes, and I will stand outside and smoke in the silence. It will be amazing. Put your hands down. Now, some of you don't have kids, right? But you have parents, and you have been the source of your parents thinking this is a viable option at some point. But hopefully, you've never done this as a parent. I don't judge you if you have. But hopefully you've never done this and it's never been done to you because of patience, right? But here's the deal. Patience is, is, is intentional, right? Parents in the room, it takes intentionality to be patient. God is our example. God of the father, God, the son of patience, now, when I say that this patience, patience rather, is passive, I'm not saying that it's not intentional. Being patient takes intentionality. Patience, just like the rest of this list, is only truly possible through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean. As I was thinking about this this week, as I was thinking about patience and how do you explain how patience is intentional, yet it is passive, I think it is best understood when you compare patience with tolerance, Patience with tolerance, and these are two completely different things. Paul doesn't say love is tolerant. Paul says love is patient. Why is this a big deal? There is a huge difference. You might be saying, what's the big difference? Say it with me. What's Weak. <clears throat> Don't turn there. Don't turn there, but, but look on the screens again. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Here's the biggest difference. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I didn't see tolerance on that list. Did you? I saw patience. I saw love. I didn't see tolerance. Um, you've heard Neil often talk about um, two of his heroes of the faith um, being J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Um, one, he wrote... Um, obviously the Lord of the Rings, but also a great theologian, and C.S. Lewis, also a great fiction writer and theologian, and how they would spend time um, in Oxford um, at the Eagle and Child Pub having a proper pint of Guinness and shouting down uh, lots of upstart theologians and just driving them mad, almost like Pharisees, where they want to rip the hair from their face because they're so angry because Tolkien and Lewis have such this deep understanding of the gospel and the freedom that is found in Christ. And someone who's often left off that list, I think mainly because um, he doesn't have the. Fiction writings is, is one of mine and his name is G.K. Chesterton. Take a look at this guy. He looks like someone you want to hang out with for sure. Um, he's a party. Um, <clears throat> it's like a cross between Roosevelt and Harry Potter's Uncle Vernon. Um, no? Just me? Uh, did the Baptist pastor just reference Harry Potter? <laughs> just wait for the rest of the morning. Um, Chesterton, thank you, Uh, Chesterton goes on, uh, he he says this about tolerance. Um, He says, tolerance is the attitude of those who do not believe in anything. Tolerance is the attitude of those who do not believe in anything. Um, He was often, he was also quoted, rather someone asked him about it later, and I'm hoping I'm quoting him correctly. They said, you've spoken strongly against tolerance. And he said, I think tolerance is the gift of those with no conviction. But we do believe in something, right? Right? We believe in something. We believe that the God of all creation came to earth, lived a sinless life, patient to the end with those who doubted him died willingly on a cross, patient as those who had no real power over him attempted to break the unbreakable. He died as payment for our sins, rose again on the third day, conquering death and in so doing, purchasing our lives and giving us the commandment to love like he does. The commandment to be patient as he is patient with us. There's a lot of intentionality in that patience. Chesterton goes on to say, tolerance means at best indifference to everything. We're not called to be indifferent in his love, church. We're called to take the most extreme of actions. So I had one point and I have one action. Are you ready for this extreme action? Gird up your loins. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds gross. We're called to be kind. There's so much excitement in the room right now. We're called to be kind. Who's pumped? Thank you. What does it mean to be kind? know this, know this first. If I had time to go through this entire list, which I do not, if I had time to go through this entire list of adjectives, which I would argue that most of them are verbs, but as the dutiful son of an English teacher, I will call them adjectives. I would love to take them all and pick them apart and and how does all this mean kindness? But but I want to save ample time for what's going to happen up here in just a few moments because I truly believe um, that what you guys are going to hear today is um, a better representation of what it looks to walk in love, to act in kindness, to be patient as the Lord is patient to us in any um, sermon I could, I could craft. So that being said, let's look down to verse six and let's discover what this pride scourging journey to selfless, God-honoring, worshipful, missional, loving, patient kindness looks like. Still with me? Verse six says this, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. If you're like me, you're like, check, I got it. Move on. What's next? But do we really understand what that means not to rejoice in wrongdoing? And maybe you do. And if you do, come up here after the service. I want to learn your ways, Master Miyagi. I want to understand what it is that in all things you don't rejoice in wrongdoing. Um, because I, I, I at times like to think of myself as kind of a connoisseur of, of, of all things right. And I would never rejoice in wrongdoing. However, this past Thursday night I was confronted um, timely how God does things, right? Um, confronted with how inept I really am in all of this. and Let me tell you what I mean and and, and kind of draw this portion of our time this morning to a close. And Thursday night we had a missions meeting. I met over here in the conference room um, with this team of of, of amazing people that um, helped give direction to um, how Grand Parkway does missions, where Grand Parkway does missions, how Grand Parkway missions money is allocated. Um, We talked about um, these these continuing partnerships we have and the amazing things that God is doing in them. Uh, We talked about new partnerships in our own backyard, new initiatives in our own backyard, regionally, on the other side of the world, things that I am cannot wait until next Sunday um, to tell you about after church. Um have I mentioned that, that after church next Sunday right here in this room, five minutes after the third service, if you could stick around for 20 minutes, you're going to hear amazing opportunities to be involved in missions at Grand Parkway. But that being said, we were talking about all that. We wrapped up our time together. I jumped in my truck and decided to go uh, see a movie. And so I went over here to the Palladium on 99, forgetting that on Thursday night, along with the movie that I wanted to see, um, Fifty Shades of Grey was also opening. I don't own a TV. Apparently I didn't know that. And so I roll up and the parking lot is so full. I had to park at the West park tollway to even find a place. Um, and as I, um, was, 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 was walking back and got out of my truck and, uh, and, um, was just angry and I wallowed in my righteous indignation that so many wicked sinners would pay good money to see something that came straight from the fiery pits no? Uh, I walked in the doors and I saw like a fourth of Fort Bend County standing in the foyer of the Palladium, lined up, dolled up. I mean, it was a a celebration for some folks. You could tell they'd been looking forward to this. And here is where I was kicked in the teeth with my rejoicing and wrongdoing because I had spent the whole time thinking, and I know none of you would ever do this, walking through the parking lot, thinking about how much better I was than all of them, that I would never lower myself to see something like this. And and that in, 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 a, in an instant's time was replaced um, and it had nothing to do with me clearly as I've laid out for you, but it was replaced with, with God's patience and kindness. And this is what I mean is if, 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 if all my righteous indignation and all my hypocrisy and all my uh, proclivities to be a Pharisee were, were a giant um, glass of water, it was like Christ dropped his fist into that and plunged it all out. And as I began to look around, I just got really sad not in a patronizing way, but in the way that I'm not too proud to tell you as a pretty big dude, tears begin to roll down my face. And, and, and not at the fact that something that is in such just juxtaposition, just opposite to everything that Christ has intended is so easily profited off of, um, which is sad in itself. But if it was that people that were created by the heavenly father were striving so hard to find contentment and fulfillment in something that was so bankrupt. What can I do? I can love those people, right? I can love them as Christ loved them and not shout at them, but love them patiently and intentionally. What can I do? I can walk in love. Uh, and so I want to invite my friends uh, Brett and Emily to come up. Um, for those of you who do not know Brett and Emily, um, they have been part of the Grand Parkway family um, in, in, in different form and fashion over the last eight years. Um, they have served as interim worship leaders for us in the past um, when we have been in between staff. Um, they have come in and, um, and served when we've needed them in, in different form and fashion, leading lead worship at Celebrate Recovery, um, leading worship here um, from the stage. And so now um, we are entering into a new season with Brett and Emily um, where we are part partnering with their ministry. Jesus said love. Um, let me say this um, before we get started. If you um, you you got the context clues from the videos um, about who they work with and what they do, if you have little ones, um, we don't want to assume that you want to use this to start a conversation right now. Um, if you do, um, Brett and Emily have lots of tact and responsibility. They, they, they know how to handle this with, with maturity, but we also want to give you the opportunity if you said, hey, you know what, maybe it's a good time for us to jump out. No one judges you for that that and, uh, and feel free to do that. Um, so instead of me standing up here and telling you exactly what they do, um, Neil and I talked about, hey, you know what, Brett and Emily are coming in in February, let's, let's put them in front of our folks. We were going to have a banquet, we were going to have a lunch after church in March and we thought, you know what, this is, this is part of questions Christians ask of what can I do and, and, and what a great illustration. And so um, the first question I have for you guys, kind of combining um, two that we talked about in the first service is, what is... Jesus said love and and how was it how was it born?
0: Jesus said love is a ministry that exists to awaken hope and empower change to women in the commercial sex industry We are in five, texas cities now But in 2003 it began really just deep in our hearts to um, live missionally live on mission um, Brett and I went to Austin to lead worship for a women's conference. And like many women's conferences that we'd been at, we'd kind of assumed this was the -the run-of-the-mill tea, scones, some cute gift bags, you know, sweet stories, devotional Bibles, those types of things. And um, not that that is bad, but that's just what we expected. And when we got there, it was story after story of women who had been in this industry, whose lives had been totally changed by a simple gift bag. And we, we were just, we'd never heard of anything like this. Um, so I looked at Brett and I said, there's three clubs in Waco and let's see if we can get in. Let's see if we can ask for permission, put some gift bags together for Easter. It was two weeks till Easter. So I said, let's go on Good Friday and, um, just see what happens. And that's where it was born. I'll say that In my heart, um, I had really wrestled, we had wrestled together as a married couple of wanting for these songs that we're singing, heart of worship, I'll bring you more than a song, a song is not all you require, and we were kinda like, but isn't that all we're doing? I mean, we're just going around singing at churches, like what is the point, what's the essence of the kingdom? And when I walked into a club and met the women I knew I had found a treasure and it ruined me. I, I never, um, we never looked back. And, um, so yeah, it's just been one crazy journey since then. Mm.
1: Um, I, I'll share a story a different time. So here, here's, here's the next question is, um, why must JSL exist? If you had someone came up and you had three or four minutes to explain to them why this ministry must exist, what would you say?
0: So Acts 17 says that he's ordained the exact times and places that you should live. And it's no accident that we're living and breathing and moving during this time. And I think one great theologian, I think it was Jonathan Edwards, but I could be wrong. But he said, you know, the question for every generation is to ask yourself, where is the move of God and how can I join in? And so because he's ordained that you live in this time, we have to look around our culture and say, okay, what's broken? because god 's whole point is that we would be a part of the body to redeem um, to be about this redemptive movement of God until his return, and it is no accident that we 're here um, the weekend after fifty shades of gray, I mean just open. this is a, just a classic example of the oversexualization of our culture it's um, incredibly widespread that porn has just made its way into just everyday thinking, talking, you can watch any sitcom, and they drop that word just like it's nothing. And I think what that says to us is there's something, not just that there's something broken, but there's a piece of belonging that people are wanting. People are desiring deeply to belong and to fit somewhere. And the fact that our culture is so satiated with sexual innuendos is... um, it's just evidence of that desire to have belonging somewhere. Um, so all that to say, I feel like right now at this time in history, we can look at the fact that America is the number one exporter of porn. In 98% of the top porn films, it expresses violence against women. 98%. And we produce the most of it. Land of the free, Right it also, gender violence, which is the sexual abuse of women and children, is the number one factor in global poverty. So poverty and violence against women and children is directly correlated. They looked at uh, International Justice Mission, did studies all over the world, and they said, what is this, what's the link? What keeps people impoverished? And it was the sexual abuse of women and children, and so when you look at our country and you see how mainstream it is to treat women and children, and that this is like a perpetuating this industry the the commercial sex industry is just one indicator of how far we 've gone um, and so instead of saying oh well let 's boycott or oh let 's you know just shut them down," we said no let 's go because these are people created in the image of God and they need to know they belong somewhere and so that that has become our approach
1: yeah which leads perfectly into the next question, because I think, and there, there, there are some ministries and there are some organizations um, that do this well, and I think they serve their purpose of um, alerting people, informing people, um, making information available. Um, but you guys then take to another level of saying, hey, we're not going to just make the information known, we're going to go. Yeah. So what does it look like when you go? What are you doing? What is taking the energy of you guys and, and JSL at large?
2: Um well men do not go in. I'll just ease your mind. Um uh, we actually go to gentlemen's clubs, if you want to call them gentlemen's clubs, um all over the state. We're in Waco, we started in Waco and now we're in Dallas, San Antonio, uh Bryan College Station, um and then we just launched in Colleen this past Christmas, and then Lord willing we'll be here in December, which is a huge feed in of itself. But our model is simple. Um, it's go love connect. And so it's the gospel. Um, we go to the clubs, we love dancers where they're at in whatever condition they're in. And then we connect them to community and spiritual resources. That's it. It's really simple. And the goal is simply to awaken hope and empower change. Because the deal is, is if I try to get you to stop doing something, you might quit for two weeks and then you might go right back to it. But if the Holy Spirit Comes upon you and acts upon you, that's life change. And so when we go to the clubs, our goal is not to get women to quit. That would be a, a, just kind of a futilist goal. Our goal is to just love them. That's what Jesus said to do go and love people, and I'll do the rest. And so we go once a month. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, our teams went out um, Friday night all over the state and took Valentine's to dancers. They go in the clubs. They're welcome to open arms into the clubs. Management loves us um, because we go in, uh, not, again, not the men. They go in, they hang out in the dressing rooms, and they just have life-giving conversations. We took, let's see, February, we took uh, chocolate-covered strawberries and handwritten notes of just meaningful words from people in the respective cities. Um, and next month, uh, we'll go again. Um, and just every month is different. And, and once we begin to build relationships with them in the clubs, then they start calling us. As a matter of fact, I got to read this text to you. I got it while you were talking, Wade. This is from our Dallas team. Yeah, just kind of, kind of blew me away here. Um, she says, praise God this morning. He is so good. Hello, iPhone. Um, um, uh, We've already, uh, we, we exchanged numbers with 14 girls on Friday night. As of this morning, 10 have been in contact with us. Two are already looking for jobs. My sister is looking to hire one at her salon, and they're officially meeting soon. Lunches are being set for this week. One manager met, met some of our men. Um, Our security, men operate our security team, which drives the women to the clubs, but they don't go in again. But the the men give an opportunity to hang out with club managers and things like that. It's really a blast. Um, And so this manager uh, sent his resume and Andrew, the guy on the team, um, has, is getting him an interview with a friend of his who's the operations uh, director at Southwest Airlines. That's the gospel, men and women. That's it. I mean, that's Friday night. At strip clubs in Dallas, Texas. It makes no sense. I mean, we've been doing this since 2003, and I still shake my head going, what in the world are we doing? And that, that's just the beauty of it. It's, it's just putting feet on these songs that we're singing, and it's loving a group of people that is not loved by most. Whether you're a Christian or not, most people just look at dancers and they're like, oh, no thanks. Yeah,
0: I think that, too, um why why God is moving so powerfully in each of our cities is because his heart has always been with the broken. You can't look at Jesus and his ministry and not see broken women all throughout it. And not only coming for healing, but then God esteeming and empowering them and then them moving into the early church and being such a part of that. And so we really feel like we get to see Jesus at work firsthand. We get to watch him change the colors of people's lives and bring them into a living relationship with Christ. Um, and so it's just a blast to be a part of 89% of women in that industry don't want to be there. They're there because they feel like they don't have any other options. Mm. About 90% of the women that we reach across Texas, this is across Texas are, uh, fall below the poverty line. About 80% are moms. And their kids, therefore, fall into one of the top, two of the top four risk factors for HIV because of the work that they do and because they are impoverished. Poverty is also the number one risk factor for human trafficking. Um, Your city is actually number two in the nation for human trafficking. And 70% of all domestic sex sex traffic victims come through the commercial sex industry. So when we went into the clubs in 2003, we really didn't know that we were going to be encountering poverty. We didn't know we were going to be encountering human trafficking issue, but all of that's brought to life. You know, God never tells you <laughs> when you start like chasing after him, oh, here's, here's what's going to be like 10 years down the road. And it's for good measure. Cause we would run, we'd be like, no, we can't <laughs> tackle these things. And he knows we can't, we can't but we go and we're available to him and we collaborate with smarter people than we are. And we put ourselves at the mercy of the hand of God and he moves greatly. So, yeah,
2: I've, I've got to tell this story. Um, it's about two weeks ago. We were in college station. We were speaking at a house church, um, which is a blast. If you've ever been to a house church, you should go. It's really fun. Um, at least the one we were at. Um, There's about 50 people jammed into this house church and they've been longtime supporters of JSL and our leader in that city goes there. And so we were just kind of talking and um, there was a girl that kept standing out to me. There was just something about her countenance and turns out she was a dancer we had been working with. And so it was really cool to get to meet her in this context. But, but what was interesting was we had been in relationship with her and then she like way fell off the wagon. It turns out she was trafficked. And uh, she ended up getting away from her um, from her pimp and uh, made her way back and contacted our people and she's, she's pregnant now, but she told me in the kitchen of this house she just as as gently as she could she just said, "Thank you guys so much for starting this. Thank you for taking the risk because you took the risk on me because I have something to come back to, and i I know these people are going to walk with me and that i mean that 's where it's at it's just awakening hope in somebody's life Hmm. and, and watching them come to the Lord when she really shouldn't. I mean, if you look at her life and all that she's been through, I mean, she should just be a statistic, but God has a purpose for her and for that baby. And that was the greater thing is there, even in the midst of this darkness, through this darkness, you will lead me and forever we will say, you're the Lord, our God. Even in the darkness, there's a new life that's going to come out of this. Yeah. And he's going to get great glory out of that.
1: Yeah. Let me do this um, and, and kind of change gears a little bit. Um, you you, you hear Grant Parkway, you hear this a lot um, from Neil, from the elders, uh, from myself, um, that we are a full disclosure church. And that means, um, if finances, that means what we're doing as a church. And so part of the reason I wanted them to come up was because we are beginning today um, our unofficial launch of this partnership. Um, and I know you. I know. I know my people, and I know that you um, already have a desire. And, and, and you know, we're not officially launching this until December. So, so then, to sit on this information and wait until December isn't going to fly. Um, and it doesn't fly for me. And so, just know that even where you are now. Brett and Emily and I have been talking about this for three years, um, of this becoming a reality. And, and, and we, we felt, um, in, in, in the fall that, that God was saying yes, at this time it was time to go. And so here are a couple things I want to say, and then I want to close because I want to give you an opportunity, um, after we close that Brett and Emily will be up here and they can answer any questions. Let me direct you to a couple things by way of information. And then obviously as always, I'll follow up with some information, um, up here on the front of the stage, um, there are some cards that tell you how to get involved Right now um how to get involved directly with JSL right now. Um and then as a church, we are um in, in this journey between now and December taking some very intentional um events, some very intentional initiatives and in making them our own. Um, as soon as Easter, we are taking on to the club. There's one club in College Station and we are providing the Easter bags for that. Um, and so that is something you can take part in um with helping hand with our Helping Hands Ministry that you'll hear more about next week. Um, and so there's lots of stuff going on. Um, and I'll just say this so you understand why. When Brett and Emily and the missions team and I sat um, upstairs um, back in October, Emily looked online and we found, and tell me if I'm right, over 185 um, sex trade establishments in the greater Houston area. That is from club to escort service to production companies, 185. So why? Because we're called to walk in love, right? So um, do me a favor. I know this is uh, a different kind of service to say the least, um, but do me a favor and stand to your feet. And let me say a couple things as we close. Um, if you are a guest with us this morning, um, like I said, um, Sundays are not always like this. But at the same time, hear this. We're not going to apologize for this. Um, I'll let full disclosure. This is what I was going to say, and then I felt like I wasn't going to say it, and I just feel like this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to say. Is um, Back in October, we had a man who's, who's ministered to Grand Parkway for a very long time, especially our staff. Um, and he came and he prayed with the staff and he said you need to be prepared for the fact that God is bringing the undistinguished to Grand Parkway do me a favor put your hands out like this and let me speak a blessing over you your Jesus came and walked in love to the extent of the cross and he's called us to love like him and he's given us all we need under heaven to do it let's walk in love In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, you're dismissed.